This is Global Tennessee, news analysis and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants. Welcome to the July 21st episode of Global Nashville with Carl Dean from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. I'm Patrick Ryan. We're pleased that you're with us on Zoom and Facebook Live or watching on our youtube.com TNWAC channel or listening on your Global Tennessee podcast subscription. Tonight, former Nashville Mayor Carl Dean will be talking with Commissioner Bob Rolfe. He heads the Tennessee Department of Economic and Community Development at a critical time for Tennesseans and the business community. The ECD is responsible for recruiting business and industry to the state, supporting existing companies, expanding economic opportunities across rural Tennessee, and boosting the state's overall economic prosperity. Commissioner Rolfe has served as commissioner since March 2017. Under his leadership, TNECD has increased Tennessee's global footprint. He has led the state's effort in the recruitment and expansion of over 100 international projects, which represent an investment of $5.6 billion and 18,000 job commitments. TNECD has placed a major focus on job creation and community development in rural Tennessee. Since 2017, the department has provided more than $240 million in funding to rural communities throughout the state. In addition, companies have invested $4 billion and committed to create 21,500 new jobs in rural communities over the past three years. Commissioner Rolfe has more than three decades of experience in business and investment banking in Tennessee. Before joining TNECD, he held the position of CEO of Medical Reimbursements of America, Inc., a company that provides specialty reimbursement solutions to improve financial performance for hospitals and health systems nationwide. He co-founded West End Holdings in 2011, a Nashville-based private equity partnership, and he spent the first 18 years of his career as an investment banker at J.C. Bradford & Company. Commissioner Rolfe received his EMBA from the Owen Graduate School of Management at Vanderbilt University and his BS from the University of Alabama School of Commerce and Business Administration. Before we start, let me briefly mention that the Tennessee World Affairs Council welcomes you as members and we welcome your financial support. The council is a unique nonprofit in the state. It is a nonpartisan educational organization that brings you global affairs awareness programs like this one and our other webinars. We also work with high schools and universities to increase understanding of the world. So please visit tnwac.org where you can join or make a gift. Now, Mayor Dean, we're looking forward to your conversation with Commissioner Rolf. Thank you, Pat. And uh, Commissioner, thanks for uh, being with us. It's great to see you. Thank you, Carl. Great to be with you, sir. Great. So you have had um, a very impressive um, background in investment banking and in business. Um, what made you go into the public sector in 2017? Well, Governor Bill Haslam at the time, I, as I love to say, I was his third round draft pick. Um, Bill Haggerty was his first draft pick for four years. And then when Bill uh, left uh, the state, uh, Randy Boyd uh, joined the state and the Department of Economic Development. 
and then he made the decision to run for governor. And it was at that point, Governor Haslam reached out to me and I had was just exiting uh, this company, Medical Reimbursements of America. We had uh, sold it to a Boston-based private equity firm and his timing just lined up, Carl, within a day or two. And I thought, you know, if there's ever a time that I could perform some public service and not be uh, an elected official, but, you know, provide a service to Tennesseans, this just happened to be the right time. And so for the last, gosh, it's now been, well, close to four years that I've served in this capacity and have absolutely loved it because it's one of the outward facing roles of the state. And our job, as uh, mentioned, is to create jobs for Tennesseans. Good. And so could you just tell the our listeners and viewers um, what Tennessee Economic Development does? I mean, what is your, what is your charge and how is, how is the office structured? Okay, so we are funded, uh, obviously our budget is funded by the General Assembly and uh, I report to our governor and our job, about 100 people are employed in our department. And so we're one of those outward facing departments and we're responsible for recruiting companies to our state. So that's job number one. Job number two is to make sure the companies that already call Tennessee home thrive here in Tennessee. And when it comes to an expansion opportunity or a second or third expansion opportunity, we certainly are there to compete for those opportunities. And then the other leg to the stool is our community uh, and rural development initiatives. And that's to make sure that our communities not only out, you know, we obviously there's a lot of uh, business prosperity in our more metropolitan areas and urban areas, but it's also to make sure that we create programs to help our more rural communities thrive. And Carl, as you know, from your time recruiting as mayor of Nashville, you have a whole host of rich assets. And if you, and you have Nashville, Tennessee, and um, so many great things that were, that were going on under your watch, but imagine one of our 90, other 94 counties and the closest interstate's about an hour away. Well, you could have the greatest workforce and the most beautiful natural assets, but when your third largest cost is transportation of the uh, raw materials in and then finished product out, they're just going to be areas of the state that no matter how good they are, are not going to enjoy the same level of prosperity. When people think about business recruitment, um, they almost immediately think about incentives or trying to lure companies um, to come to, to Tennessee. And, you know, I think you and I know that Tennessee has so many assets in the sense that if you can get people here, you, they're going to think they're going to want to come. But what, what is the strategy? How do, you, how do you go about your job? How do you sell Tennessee? How do you sell Nashville? Well, it's been a lot of fun um, because we all know what goes on in Nashville. At the same time, I remind our team every day that we do have 94 other great counties. And so when a company expresses an interest in looking at Tennessee, our job is to show them all of the potential assets. And what I mean by that is if it's advanced manufacturing and it's a 300 acre site and they need rail, well, we'll then bring uh, those whatever uh, inventory we have available. If it is for IT talent or it is an HQ, obviously we'll, we'll bring those, uh, you know, the, those, uh, that portfolio to the conversation. But at the end of the day, our job is to make sure that the companies understand all the great things about Tennessee. And you're right, you know this from your days as being the chief recruiting officer for Metro Nashville. 
um, incentives have historically been the it conversation component. And I am grateful that we have a general assembly and a, and, and a, and governor Lee and they understand and they're willing to commit the resources. Cause as you know, these are all taxpayer dollars, but it has become so darn competitive. And what I mean by that is when we're competing for a project by and large, three or four of the adjoining states are competing for that same project. So we have the incentives, but Carl, what's probably newer to the conversation um, is workforce development. And that's now become, if not number two, number one. And that's to make sure that we can convince a company that across Tennessee, wherever that company may choose to locate, that we have the workforce and the size and depth and breadth and they have the qualifications and skill sets. And so that's where this conversation is expanded beyond uh, incentives. Right. And, you know, I think you would agree with this. My sense has always been that um, when we used incentives as a city, and I think when the state has done it too, um, the payback dwarfs the incentive. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think people realize that how much the return is, is over, well over the incentive amount. Well, I'll give you a little bit of inside baseball. I have a meeting with Governor Lee on, uh, and a couple of his senior leaders on Friday, and this is part of the conversation. So the ROI, return on investment. So for every dollar that we put forth in incentive uh, capital, the ROI from last year's data is about 2.9 years. So that's the return. So for every incentive dollar that goes out, we capture that we, that return within about 2.9 years. So you can imagine every day beyond 2.9 years is all what I'll call gravy. Um, so it is, it is, these are, uh, while there are people that say we shouldn't be uh, providing taxpayer capital to these billion dollar companies at the end of the day, I can promise you the day that Tennessee steps away from that conversation and offering those incentives, these companies are going to bypass our state. Right. And so what do you, how do you sell Tennessee? I mean, what's your, what's your opening statement? What's your elevator speech? Well, I, I think, thank you for asking that. And I'll probably uh, do a terrible job uh, now that you have me on camera, but the short answer is it's about a state that is the most business friendly state in the U S. And what I mean by that is it's a state that has no personal income tax, that has the least business tax, that has the lowest per debt capita, and has the least number, of, well, it, 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 we're just a very pro-business state. And then you look behind the curtain and you get beyond just simply the business, the business gates, and you see about what the quality of life is. And as you know, we have 95 counties, and so the quality of life in Upper East Tennessee may feel very different than downtown Nashville. But at the end of the day, it is about uh, being so pro-business, and it's also about having a great quality of life. And then I could go on and on about education and about the, uh, you know, uh, the, the Tennessee promise, the Tennessee reconnect. But that's something we're very proud of that Governor Haslam. Uh, and the General Assembly approved, and to tell a business leader from another country that in our state, we value education. Not only does everybody have a high school degree, but uh, once they graduate, tuition free, we offer them a two-year uh, associate degree or a TCAT certification, and that's tuition free paid for by the state. Right. Tennessee has done a lot of things right, I think, in creating this, well, not 
a business-friendly atmosphere, and I think the economics of it work, but, you know, the work that's been done in education and the emphasis on education is key. And then I always think, as I said, you get people here, and they're yes. going to compare it to where they're coming from, and they look at the cost differences, and it's going to be in Tennessee's favor, and then the quality of life and the friendliness, it's a pretty, it's a pretty strong package. That's right. And then, Carl, if it, for example, is an automotive company or a tier one, tier two, or tier three supplier, when they look at the ecosystem, and we have a, gosh, 900 and some odd companies that are automotive centric across the state that are focused on automotive supply. And of course, if you're uh, an advanced manufacturer and you're an automotive supplier, and you look at where the OEMs are, because that's what everybody is supplying. And you look at where Tennessee's located, and certainly in relation to where we are with the state of Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Mississippi, you can quickly determine. And that's where we're just very lucky that from a transportation perspective, we're within about a one day's drive of 60% of the population in the country. So that obviously is another logistics uh, positive. How much of your time in your, well, your department's time is spent on um, international trade, international business? Well, great question. So if you look at our data, about 30% of all projects that we land are from companies that are foreign direct investment companies. We call these FDI projects, foreign direct investment projects. And so we spend an enormous amount of time at ECD on recruiting these large companies and small companies to come to the U.S. specifically, come to the Southeast, and then obviously if uh, we've done our job, land in Tennessee. But to give you a, a somewhat of a framework, we have FDI representatives in uh, 11 countries. So if you look at Asia, we have an office in Beijing, we have an office in Tokyo, and we have an office in Seoul, Korea. And so those professionals are ECD employees and their job every day is to sell Tennessee inside those countries. And they also are great about the language challenges. And so uh, unfortunately I have, my English is very poor on most good days. So the thought of speaking multi multiple languages just is not in the cards. And then when you look at Europe, we have uh, representatives in eight countries across Europe. So we we're very intentional about having these offices. The ROI on these offices is very good. We do business, Carl, with about 32 different countries that have uh, companies that call Tennessee home. It's over a thousand different companies. And if you look at the private capital investment, we're talking about $35 billion of invested capital in our state. And then at the end of the day, the, the real windfall is about 140,000 Tennesseans work for these private uh, companies or these public companies that are, that are, that are foreign direct investment companies. And what, what, um, how does business recruitment on an international level differ from doing it within the U.S.? I mean, are there particular challenges? Or? Well, I'll give you a little, I'll give you certainly the way that we try to approach it. Um, so the large multinationals, when they decide that they, they've spent their time sizing up the demand, what they're looking for is how many and how large of a market share they can develop in the Americas. And so when they come to the U.S., they're typically manufacturing or at least North America, and if there is a pathway and the demand's great enough, they'll also include uh, South America. And we talked earlier about Bridgestone, for example, uh, their, their HQ and manufacturing here. And these companies will then 
hire these site consultants that are US-based site consultants, and their job is to basically collect all of the data. Um, and then they will do an analysis, a comparison, a bake-off, if you will. And what we've discovered is when we are able to have the C-suite, the decision makers come to Tennessee and spend time, that always gives us, we think, that, that those are positive buy signs. And then Carl, what I've tried to do with our team is go see these companies in their home communities. And that's certainly not an inexpensive endeavor, but I can promise you, I can point to a whole host of nice wins where these companies have said, my gosh, the state of Tennessee, our governor in some cases will come visit with us and just, it, again, think of it as recruiting. You, you, you can recruit them on the field or you can recruit them in their home. And so I've certainly tried to uh, very aggressively spend the time and energy recruiting them in their home countries. How has sort of the national issues, um, leaving the politics all out of this, but how have the national issues around trade, um, trade wars or whatever, how does that affect your job? Is that something well, that you up a lot or? <laughs> Great question. It's something that we've been dealing with for the last couple of years and it's specifically called wrapped around the tariffs. So we would say as the state of Tennessee, we are so pro-business, we believe in no tariffs for nobody. And so that is certainly our position and how we feel in Tennessee. At the same time, as we all know, this is federal policy and federal policy is basically being decided at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And we have companies all the time that already call Tennessee home and they'll understand that there's a tariff being placed on a certain product and they'll come to us. And so we'll listen and we'll be sympathetic, but it's very difficult for the states to really weigh in and have a significant impact on these federal policies. So if I told you it didn't hurt us, I, I don't think that would be correct because uh, those tariffs can be enormously punitive depending on the circumstances. Does Tennessee have a good reputation internationally for being a welcoming place for business and for, for um, non-U.S. folks to move and work? Well, that, that, yeah, I would say yes, sir. And, I'll, and I'm just gonna anecdotally give you a couple of examples um, a lot of these international companies, they do prefer to cluster. And what I mean by that is they don't want to be the pioneer. They don't want to go first. But once they discover another company that they respect is, called, is calling or has called Tennessee home, that buys us an enormous amount of goodwill to allow us to be in that conversation. And I can think of just some of the more recent successes from South Korea. I've probably been there now 10 times in my 40, 38 months. And um, of course we have LG and we have Hankook and we have Atlas BX and we have another couple of large manufacturers that are in the automotive business. And they definitely talk about, well, you know, what's it like in Tennessee versus what's it like in other states? Because what I can tell you is today, the competition, as I mentioned to you earlier, in these southeastern states, they all have a lot of the same attributes attributes that we offer in Tennessee. In terms of um, the different countries that we work with, I know that you know you've mentioned groups of companies coming in. Clearly, Japan has a, a major footprint here. South Korea, more and more. 
Um, Canada is a major trade trading partner. Mexico. Are there others that have really picked? Well, up? when you look, I thank you because that that when you when we uh, analyze the the data, uh, Japan is our largest FDI trading partner. And if you took the number of projects, the capex, the number of tenants that work for Japanese com companies, if you take Japan, they tr they are larger market share than the other thirty one. Uh, countries combined. So that'll tell you just what an important trading partner Japan is. And of course, most of it's around the automotive ecosystem. And then if you look at uh, Canada, the UK, they would stack rank probably number two would be Canada, maybe uh, three would be the UK, and then Germany would be number four. And then you would find South Korea uh, in there in that top 10. But uh, that's all to say. And, and let me say this to you. When I look at uh, South Korea and look at that country, you know, they're the lar 11th largest GDP on the globe and that country is not very old, but that'll tell you how interested they are in, their, in, in the U.S., specifically in Tennessee. So we've had some great wins there. Japan, again, you know this from your days as our mayor, uh, just a great, great country with a lot of private capital investment in and around Nashville and, of course, across our state. And of course, in, in Nashville, we have, um, I guess now we've had it for 10 years or more, um, 12 years maybe, the, the Japanese consulate is here. Would it be of benefit to the state if we were able to get more consulate offices within the state? We are very proud of that, yes, sir. What we discovered is, depending on the budget of the country, and of course, I guess, I think Japan may have 12 or 15 uh, consulates across the U.S. Other countries may only have, call it three or four. Um, yes, sir. Having them here has been fantastic. What's interesting is if I look at our top eight or ten uh, global trading country partners, most of them have a presence and they cover Tennessee out of Atlanta, which would not surprise you. And so we spend a lot of time in good conversations and they, they come see us, we go see them. Um, but I would say we're very proud of, and that I know happened uh, a handful of years ago. You probably were involved in that, but uh, for J J Japanese consulate, but uh, that's all to say, um, I wish they were all uh, had a Tennessee uh, presence on the ground. But again, most of them cover us out of uh, Atlanta. And so obviously one of the most important uh, things affecting your life and the economic development within the state right now is the pandemic. Um, how has that affected uh, your work in terms of international business? Well, as, as I said at the outset, Carl, we really pride ourselves in trying to go meet with these companies in their home countries. And as you know, the, the borders are closed, not only outbound, but certainly inbound. Right before the pandemic uh, hit the U.S., we were in, uh, we were finalists on four or five very large FDI projects across our state, and as you can imagine, everybody has put the hit the hold button. So the great news is these projects haven't evaporated; they will come back. But we are in that holding pattern until such time as the, the, the borders are opened up, and I'm talking about air travel between countries. So we will stand by and we've had Zoom calls. We, have, we offer virtual tours. We're doing everything we can electronically. 
But Carl, I can promise you this, you know this from recruiting. There's nothing like being across the table with the decision makers and talking about your state and the great attributes. And of course, when they're gonna commit $100 million to invest anywhere, that CEO, he or she wants to go see it before they're gonna make those kinds of decisions. So we've been handicapped like the other states about uh, you know, having these uh, international executives come to the US. Do you see as a result of the pandemic any um changes or um, advantageous situations perhaps for Tennessee in terms of uh, supply ch uh, chain changes or uh, near shoring or things of that nature? Yes, sir. Well, great question. And so I think the short answer is these companies, and I'm talking about companies that are manufacturing in the U.S. The that, that are require a supply chain that's global, they are very intentional going forward about making sure after this pandemic, since it wasn't in the playbook, they are coming forward about with some great interest in what I'll call reshoring and bringing their supply chain much closer to the U.S. because you can imagine the disruption of what this has created. So the great news is the U.S. ought to be, will win here, I think, and we'll see more projects come to the U.S. as a result of the pandemic. Right. And so long term, do you have any sense of what the job, um, the impact of the pandemic is on jobs that are tied to foreign investment? Have we, have we felt an actual decline yet or is? No, sir. So about, as I said, about 140,000 Tennesseans work for these foreign companies. And so, yes, those in the automotive system that have been a part of the supply chain, have, they did all shut down because the OEMs shut down. Uh, but as they've come back, it turned, as I like to think of it as a, uh, a light switch, a dimmer switch. As you turn the lights back up, the great news is uh, we're not aware of any of these suppliers that haven't come back online to supply the OEMs. Uh, so now, have we as a state felt uh, a significant impact? Unfortunately, we have, and Governor Lee, I think, has done a fabulous job of being so thoughtful about how we sh shut, turned our economy down and also how we turned the economy back up uh, because it, uh, I've watched other states and what they're dealing with. And again, everybody has kind of what, not, not one size fits all. So uh, I think Tennessee has done the best we could do under the circumstances. So. Well, on a uh, personal level, do you like traveling? Is that something you enjoy? <laughs> well, Carl, uh, the, the the sixth trip to China probably was not as exciting as the first trip, and so I would answer it that way. Um, at the same time, I know it's part of the part of the program. I think the difference is historically, uh, some other uh, in prior lives, other ECD commissioners have taken trips and they've lasted a week to ten days and they've knocked on doors in those countries. Uh, the strategy, and it's certainly not the right or wrong way to do it, is we go to that country and we strike when it's hot and we get on the plane and come home. So that may be a differential. So that requires a lot of international travel. And at the same time, um, I think I just get used to it. I've not developed a, a, a passion for sleeping on airplanes. Um, so I've got a long way to go. But uh, anyway, it's, it's been good. So you get there and it's pretty much pretty focused on business and your lot of meetings and then you go home and a lot so of time. So Carl, 
I'll give you another little inside baseball. So Governor Lee and his first international trip, we went to, uh, to Asia. So uh, we landed, uh, you fly, it's about a 25 hour flight into Seoul. We have a dinner, we have a breakfast, we have a lunch. We get on a plane, we fly to Japan, we have a dinner, we fly to the next city in Japan, we have a reception, have three meetings, and we get on the plane and come home. And wow. I can't tell you that would be something that Governor Lee would say is his, was a highlight of his first year. <laughs> but I, again, uh, and the great news is we covered a lot of ground and met with a lot of great companies. Um, so again, everybody has a, their, their different way about going about how they transact business, but that was one that I found to be effective. Great. Um, Pat, do we have, uh, is there? We've got a question from Jonathan Griffin, but I think uh, you, you incorporated that pretty well into the conversation, Carl, the impact on um, job numbers and uh, business revenues. Uh, if I could ask a question, um, I lean towards the national security side of issues being a retired Naval Intelligence Officer. It, it, can you talk a little bit about the impact uh, we're creating a lot of friction these days, especially in places like China and uh, Europeans and, and so forth. How do those uh, non-business frictions impact uh, the work that you're trying to do? Well, Patrick, another great question. Let's focus on China. Um, we have uh, more than a handful of Chinese companies that call Tennessee home, and they've invested a great deal of capital. What's interesting is right before the pandemic, Patrick, we were in great conversations with three or four other Chinese companies that were looking to bring their manufacturing processes to the, to the U.S. Um, those projects are on hold because the Chinese uh, uh, decision makers aren't obviously coming to our country and we're not able to go there. That is a little more sensitive today and there is a heightened awareness. Um, you can imagine the Chinese companies have reached out to us to just say, well, what is Tennessee's position? And our position is that we treat every comp company interested in our state, you know, with the equal respect. And if that company is going to come to our state and invest an enormous amount of capital and employ Tennesseans, and obviously they're doing it within our laws, we're very much in, in favor of it. But the sensitivity is so high right now with anything China related. And so I'll stay away from the political side of that, but that's one where we've seen some, um, some significant challenges. And in, 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 so, well, the temperature has certainly gone up in in recent years, and I suspect there's some overlay on the business side. That's uh, that's it for uh, questions, uh, Carl. Um, All right, well, Bobby, let me thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I know you've got a lot of things on your plate, and. Um, Wish you good hunting as you uh, continue your efforts. Well, Carl Dean, thank you. You know how much I appreciate uh, your, our, our friendship and what all you've done in your career. And so thank you for allowing me to uh, talk about ECD today. So all good. Again, uh, thank you, Commissioner. Thank you, uh, Mayor Dean. And uh, that's it for this edition of Global National with Carl Dean. Please uh, come back uh, next week as we have a global dialogue with uh, Admiral Bill Owens, uh, to talk about U.S.-China relations and extension of uh, some of what we talked about tonight and also next Tuesday afternoon, our news review. So we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Everybody be safe.